Well, bless the name of the Lord, saints. So glad you joined us again tonight for this wonderful time of Bible study as we immerse ourselves into the word of the living God. I want to pray with you and then let's jump right in and see what God has for us tonight. Father, we bless your name. We ask even now that you consecrate me to your service, Lord, by the power of grace divine that my soul may look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. Have your way tonight. I pray that someone who will hear this word will find this word life and will be able to move from this place and from their domiciles and wherever they listen at into a posture of worship of thee and service to the King of Kings. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. God bless you, saints. As you know, over the last few weeks, uh, this is the 27th week, I've been dealing with the theme, living faith in stressful times. And I've primarily taken that theme from Genesis. So living faith in stressful times. This is the 27th iteration of this word. It's a difficult topic to jump on tonight, and I want to take uh, our time. We're going to be looking at Genesis 44 and Genesis 45. Genesis 44 and 45. And we'll look at those together, uh, at least the first portion of 45. Primarily, we're going to look at Genesis 44 at the top of our discussion tonight. One of the things that we have come back to is that the children of Israel now, uh, these have been in the midst of famine along with the rest of the world. They've been struggling with the famine. The famine has been all around them. It's going on. And as we saw in last week's lesson, they sent to Egypt and they were able to retrieve enough food and supplies to last for an extended period of time. They did that at the, uh, at the expense of uh, Simeon's freedom. Simeon was kept there in Egypt as a prisoner while they left to go back and they were told you cannot come back unless you bring your brother Benjamin with you. So the cost of coming back was that Benjamin had to be connected he had to be there. So Simeon plays an important role in bringing them back and in particularly bringing Benjamin back. But now we get to the point where they have uh, come to the city again, the second time they've come to Egypt and they're looking for resources, they're looking for supplies. They have been treated rather well but at this point now, Joseph is getting ready to test them once again. He's going to test them to see what is their loyalty, if you will, toward their younger brother, Benjamin, his only biological brother of his mother, Rachel. And so he, he's going to test them. And the test that he places upon them is an intentional test so that he puts them in a situation where they are going to be exposed. Will they, how will they treat this youngest son? How will they treat the son that is the loving heart of their father? How will they treat the son that is not connected to them other than through their father? How will they treat him? What kind of genuine love will they have for him? 
Now we know, which Joseph would not have known at the time, all of the ways in which they have pledged and promised to bring Benjamin back to their father and they have given in their own honor and said, we're gonna do this. But in reality, they are put to a test now where they have all of the things they need, all of the supplies they need, everything they want is in, in hand, and they could easily walk away with a clear conscience. And it is in this testing that we want to examine some things tonight. And I want to do this uh, in a seven-part piece, if you will. And what I want to look at tonight is the performance of seven acts of loyalty. The performance of seven acts of loyalty. Not just the brothers, but the entire situation. The performance of seven acts of loyalty. The, the, the first of which is interesting because Joseph knowing who they were, but they not knowing who he was, sets them up in a prosperous manner giving them both the grain in abundance, every the, the food and supplies they desired above and beyond the measure which they had paid. And then he adds to it the money they paid. He returns that a second time, gives them back all of the money. But on top of that, he adds a silver chalice to the bag of Benjamin. But, 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 but the first thing that, that we see as a, a performance of loyalty is, is simply this. It's loyalty over royalty. Loyalty over royalty. He's in the regal family. He's in the royal family with Pharaoh. He's been allowed to take complete control over the supplies of Egypt. But his loyalty to his father's house is more important to him than his royal status in Pharaoh's house. Let me say that again. His loyalty to his father's house is more important to him than his loyalty or his status, I should say, in Pharaoh's house. Because Pharaoh's house is wonderful, it's beautiful, he's been set up well, he has a family now, he has a wife, he has sons, but, but wait a minute, the people that God has blessed me with that birthed me into the world, these folk here, I may have some problems with them, but I'm still loyal to my family. I'm still loyal to the folk that here. There's a lesson to be learned about loyalty in all of this. There's a lesson to be learned. Let's, let's look at the text real quick, and, and, and we're going to follow it up with some, some interesting pieces. So beginning in Genesis 44, verses 1 through 12. Now, I need to tell you, when I'm reading like this, because they're large chunks, I do a lot of skip reading. It's not a matter that I can't read, but I want to get through a lot of material. So I always ask that you go back and read afresh these words. I'm reading this part out of the Amplified Version. And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put every man's grain money in the mouth of the sack. In other words, fill the sacks, and then supply them with, with everything they can carry and give them their money back. He said, put my personal cup 
the silver cup in the mouth of the sack of the youngest with his grain and money. And the steward did as Joseph had told him. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away and they were in their donkeys. And when they had left the city, they were not far away. Joseph said to his steward, get up, follow after the men. And when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil to us for good paid to you? Is this not the Lord's drinking cup and the one which uses the deep for divination? You have done a great and unforgivable wrong in doing this. So the steward overtook them and he said to these words to them and they said to him, why does my Lord speak these things? Far be it from your servants to do such thing. Please remember the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks. We bought back to you from the land of Canaan. It is likely that when that we would steal, is it likely that we would steal silver or gold from your master's house? With whomever of your servants, your master's cup is found, let him die. The rest of us will be my Lord's slaves. Now notice, they are speaking because they think for certain that no one has done anything wrong. So in a way, they're kind of talking junk. They're talking boldly. They're saying, yeah, we got this because we didn't do anything wrong. We know we clean. And the steward said, now let it be as you said. He whom the cup is found will be my slave, but the rest of you shall be blameless. Now, if you notice, the steward changes the words. Because they offer to all be slaves, but the person who has the cup to be killed. But he simply says, that's, that's probably overkill. We'll just take the one that does it as a slave and the rest of you can go. Then verse 11, then every man quickly lowered his sack to the ground. Each man opened his sack, confident the cup would not be found among them. The steward searched from the beginning from the eldest to the and ending with the youngest and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Oh my Lord. Loyalty over royalty. He understands that number one, he wants them to have this grain. He wants them to take this. He is testing them to see how they really feel about his baby brother. He's testing them. But at the same time, he does not intend to not give them the supplies because the supplies are not just for those who are standing in front of him. The supplies are for their families, their wives, their children, their servants, their father. That he wants to bless them. But, but if, if it goes sideways, at the very least, he would have the comfort of keeping his brother with him, his, his, his closest biological brother with him, and it would be okay. But he at least knows that his loyalty to his family is to cause them to prosper in the situation even as he tests these other brothers. And it is a hard test. And there are some ways in which I, I find the test grotesque. I, I find it uh, mean-spirited. I find it uh, cruel to put them through this. There are some ways in which I look at it and I'm, and I'm shocked by it even being here. Why in the world would God's servant who has been placed for such a time as this in such a position uh, play these kind of games, run this kind of shenanigans, this ruse? And, and, and as, I, as I begin to say that to myself, I also have to admit to myself that there are times when God wants to see how far we've come. And he suffers it to be so that we are tested in our lives. 
You're, the scripture doesn't put it for naught. Having been tried by the fire, you'll come forth as pure gold without us wanting us to know that there are times that we are to be tested even by fire. There are times when our loyalty to God is tested. There are times when our integrity is tested. There are times when we have to show who we really are. So don't get upset when you're tested. Yes, that's it. You've got to realize it is only a test. You, you, you cannot allow yourself to lose your mind because you come under a test. What you have to do is you need to be in a position to live with integrity, your faith in the midst of the test, because if you live with integrity, your faith in the midst of the test, you're going to come out all right, no matter what the test may be. God may suffer to be so that you go through the test, but he already has your victory on the other side of the test. God may suffer to be so that you have a hard time, but he also has your healing on the other side so don't lose your mind over it don't lose don't lose your sanity over it yeah you you, you got it right sister James you know you got to know there's no testimony without a test you have to deal with the trials and vicissitudes of life and you need to recognize that some stuff is going to happen and some of what happens has the sole purpose of you proving who you really are you, uh, oh, so you say you, you, you don't cuss like you used to cuss? Let me put you in one of those situations where, where something ought to be said. Oh, you say you're not going to be the, the hoochie no more? Let me put you in a situation where hoochie is right. That you, you say you're not going to run around and, and be, be a rogue no more, brother? Let me put you, yeah, you can say anything when there's no opportunity for sin. You can say, see, if there's no options and no opportunities, there's really no obstacle. Everybody in jail is holy. You, 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 don't, you don't have to worry about somebody being a Christian locked up. It's when they get out and they have their freedom. Can you hold on to your testimony? What you've got to realize is sometimes I'm going to be tested in what I believe. And I need to make sure I'm ready to stand the test. Come here, Hebrew boys. You, you, you're getting ready to be tried. They, they, they're going to hold you up. They're going to cast you in fire. Now, will you stand or will you bow down to the image? If you bow down to the image, the test is over. You will have saved your life, but you will have failed the test. If you go in the fire, you could be killed and burned. But if you go in the fire, you'll see what you couldn't see before without the fire. Because it's only in the fire that you get to find out that there's a fourth one that'll walk with you. Did not we put in three? Yet there's four. But you don't know there's a fourth one until you get in the fire. You don't know that he'll walk with you in the fire until you go through the fire. You can cut the test off just by bowing down. Let me teach this thing. Come here, Daniel. You, 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 you praying out loud with the window wide open, pointing towards the Holy Land, and you praying, and I've already told you to cut this stuff out, but you, are you going in the lion's den? Go on. Put me in the lion's den. Before the lion's den, I didn't know God was a lion tamer. 
But in the lion's den, I now recognize he not only tames lions, but he'll let lions be laid down and allow you to use them as pillars at night. What you have to realize, there are certain things you can't see about yourself until you go through the test. You'll find out just how much progress you've actually made. Uh, it is loyalty over royalty. I, I'm loyal to you. I'm loyal to you, I'm loyal to you, and it doesn't matter about my royal position here, because y'all still family. I'm loyal to you, I got your back, but at the same time, if the test needs to come and God wants to use me to bring it, I'm bringing it now. Here it is, here it is. The second thing, the second thing is, it's loyalty over release. Loyalty over release. Now you got to know, in this situation, it would be easy for them to simply say, hey look, we, we didn't do this. I don't know why he did that. I don't know what Ben was thinking about, but, but, but Ben done messed up. You done, ooh, cuz. I don't know what to say, man. I feel bad for you, but you know, you, 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 you're going to have to stay here and be a slave. And at which point, they already had their sacks loaded down. They already were straight. The only thing they need to do is to get back on their donkeys and keep on making their way home. And their conscience would have been clear because they didn't do anything wrong. You know, hey, this, that crazy Egyptian did it. He's the one who said this out here. Hey, I didn't do anything. I tried my best. I talked to him. I asked him. but. Here's where Judah stands up and Judah becomes a man. Judah shows himself to be something different. Let me read a little scripture and then I'm going to make a couple points. Then they tore their clothes in grief. And after each man had loaded his donkey again, they returned to the city. Not one of them tore their clothes. All of them. When you're talking about taking Benjamin, they just start ripping the clothes they, they're grieving. We're grieving. No, no, no. My, not so. Oh, no. When Judah and his brothers came to, Ju to Joseph's house, he was still there. <clears throat> and not one, but all, they fell down to the ground before him. Joseph spoke harshly to them. And he went on through all the things that we talked about before. And, and then, 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 then verse 16. So Judah said, what can we say, my Lord? Notice, notice what he's saying. What can we say, my Lord? What can we reply? I, or, or how can we clear ourselves? Since God has exposed the sin and guilt of your servants. Now it would appear that he's saying we did it and I'm sorry. But that's not what he's thinking about. He said, Behold, we are my Lord's slaves, and the rest of us as well as he with whom the cup is found. But Joseph said, Far be it from me that I should do that. But the man in whose hand the cup has been found, he will be my servant. And as for the rest of you, you get up, go in peace to your father. Then Judah approached him and said, Oh, my Lord, please let your servant say a word to you in private. I just need to talk to you. Do not let your anger blaze against your servant. Now notice he's calling himself your servant. 
for, for, my, for, for, you are, for you are equal to Pharaoh. In other words, he said, when I'm talking to you, I feel like I'm talking to Pharaoh. I hold you in that high esteem. So I speak as if directly to him. My Lord asked uh, his servant saying, have your father or your brother. He said, we said, we said to my Lord, we have an old father and a young brother. And you can go on and read the rest of that. He's in, he says, look, look at what he says to him. He, said, he, says, he says, the child of his old age, now his brother Joseph, they're talking to Joseph, they're going to tell him about Joseph, is dead. And he alone is left of the two sons born of his mother and his father loves, loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me and, and, and that, that I may actually see him. But we said to my Lord, the young man cannot leave his father for if he should leave his father, his father would die. You said to your servants, unless your youngest brother comes with you, you shall not see my face again. So when we went back to your servants, my father, we told him what you said. Now notice, he is begging. He is talking. He is, he, is, he is all down in it. Drop down to verse 31. He, said, he says, when he sees the young man is not with us, he will die. And your servants will bring the gray hair of your servant, our father, down to Sheol in great sorrow. Now, now then he says this. Your, for your servant became security. I gave myself up as security. I want you to see something. Judah's conversation now is different. His voice is different. His words are different. Judah has demonstrative moral reformation. He has demonstrative moral reformation. In other words, the ignorant mean-spirited, let's sell our brother Judah, has been transformed. He's been morally changed. He's been reformed. He's not leaving without his brother. He's not leaving. He, 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 in other words, he, say, he says, I'd rather be a slave than to be the cause of my father's death or grief. I'd rather be a slave. I'd rather, I'd rather stay right here and be a slave than to be the cause of my father's death and grief. I'd rather stay right here. I ain't going nowhere. Because I gave my daddy word and my father's word, the word I gave to my father, I meant to keep it. I'm, I'm, I'm changed. No, I'm not looking out just for number one. No, this, this is not a number one situation. I'm asking now because I care about my brother and I care about my father and I am going to stand up for him. Now, let me tell you something. Someone, you, you're right on point. His former arrogance is replaced by a humble spirit. His former arrogance is replaced by a humble spirit. He, he, notice, Joseph told him, the rest of y'all can leave and go in peace, go to your father's house. He says, no, nah, that ain't happening. 
that, that it's loyalty over release. I'm not being free because I'm not free if my brother's not free. Listen, jo, 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 he said he, he's got a humble spirit. His spirit has changed. But I think that there's something here that might bless us. Get this now. Don't miss this point. His humility is born of an awareness of guilt. Not in this matter, but in other matters of life. Let me, let me, his humility. See, I, 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 I helped my brother get put in a pit. I, um, I then, I then helped my brother get sold in slavery. And then I was a, a liar to my daddy with a bloody jacket. And then I, I, I had this girl that I promised to give to my son and I did not give him to my son and then I went in and slept with her thinking she was a prostitute and 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 I got I got some stuff that that I I I need to I need to be humble let, let, can I say this to you saints get this you, you need to get this saints get this one it's easy to become arrogant when you know you're not guilty of a specific sin. But recalling previous errors holds down pride. Hold that for a second, Brother Solomon. I need, I need them to get this one. I need to get, put that, put that back so they can see this. It's easy to, be, to become arrogant when you know you're not guilty of a specific sin. But recalling previous errors holds down pride. No, no, what do you mean, Bishop? Because see, some of us get in situations where we know we're not wrong, so we're ready to cuss everybody out. We're ready to turn it out. We're ready to be mean. We're ready to do whatever we want to do. We're ready to say anything we want to say because we're not guilty of this one. But there's been enough stuff you've been guilty of. So instead of you looking down at other people when they make mistakes, instead of you looking uh, askance at somebody because they got a sin that you ain't heard of or you haven't done yourself, you, you need to recall what God has already forgiven you from. What, how God has kept you going. How, your promises that you made and didn't keep in times past. What you need to do is to recognize that humility is the way of the believer. Learn to be humble. Learn to be humble. And, and I want to add, I want to add, I got a lot tonight. I got a lot of my spirit. I want to add this. Humility is demonstrated, is the demonstrated consciousness of the need of, for, of grace. Humility is the demonstrated consciousness of the need of grace. Now, now, if you go looking for a line like that anywhere, these lines are all out of my spirit, so don't, don't expect someone else to say it. Humility is the, is the demonstrated consciousness of the need of grace. I try to be humble all the time because I know I need grace. The moment you get that through your thick head that you need grace, it will tone you down. 
it will keep you from being arrogant. You gotta learn to be humble. You gotta learn to be humble. Uh, um, um, the uh, Proverbs teaches a lesson to us about what to do when you are, uh, you've made a mistake and you've, you've done something wrong. Uh, Proverbs 6 and 3 says, in the Amplified Version, he says, do this now, my son, and release yourself from the obligation. Since you have come into the hand of your neighbor, go humble yourself and plead with your neighbor to pay his debt and, and release yourself. Listen, Proverbs 6 and 3 in, the, in the, uh, the, the, the other, another version says this. The Common English Bible says, do this, my son, to get out of it, for, for you have come under the control of your neighbor, so go humble yourself and pester your neighbor. Listen, beloved, you've got to learn how to be humble. He was talking with humility, your servant, my father, your servant, myself, you're my Lord, my Lord, not, not as in God, but my, my superior. He's talking with humility and he's got loyalty, loyalty over release. I could get released and walk away myself, but instead, I'm going to be here and work for my brother's release. At which point, because he is so humble, because of the way he talks about his brother, the way he talks about his father, the way he talks about the relationship of his father to his father's wife, who is Joseph's mother, the way he talks about how, how difficult it would be for his father if, if, if something happened to Benjamin, the way he does it pricks the heart of Joseph so deeply that he can't hold it together. And we get the third shift in the text, and that is loyalty over ruse, R-U-S-E. A ruse is a game, a trick, a play, an act. And here's where you have the shift in the text. Because at this point now, Joseph is unable to go on looking at the situation the way it is. And he's got to say something. I got to say something. I can't do it no more. Loyalty over ruse. I got I to I I I get it out. Let me say something. Then Joseph could not control himself any longer. He, he's like, I got to say something. Something ought to be said. In front of all who attended him. Verse, this is chapter 45 we're in now, saints. Chapter 45, verse 1. Joseph could not control himself any longer. In front of all those who attended him, and he called out, have everyone leave me. In other words, clear the room. And they said Tyler Perry is known for doing that. Clear the room. Everybody out. So no man stood there when Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. Joseph wept aloud and the Egyptians who had just left, left him heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. He must have been wailing. He, 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 I just cleared the room. They have left the room. The text says no man is standing there with him. 
So now he just lets it go. Years of pain, years of being displaced from his family. Now remember now, he has taken seven years just to, just to cultivate and pull together all the grain. It's been two years since, since the famine started. So they're in the second year of famine. So he's got five more years before the famine will end. That's, what, that's how we get the time differential. He's been years in the making and now it pours out. Joseph wept aloud, everybody could hear him. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father still alive? Well, we just told you he was alive. But he's so, he's so, he's so messed up, he's so messed up, he is, he just, he letting it go, he crying, he carrying on. He's letting it go. The ruse is over. I'm going to come back to this point because I want you to understand this effect of emotion that is in the, in the, at the basis of this text. So I'm going to come back in a moment and hit this again. But what Joseph does is this. He said, but his brothers were speechless. I'm in verse 3. And I'm in the Amplified Version, chapter 45. For they were stunned and dismayed by the fact that they were in Joseph's presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come, come closer to me. And when they approached him, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, you have to remember, this, this, this right here, this right here, this right here, you have to know, if you've just been tested the way they were tested, They've, been, they've got one brother that's still in prison, Simeon, that, that they bring him up. They, they got a brother that, they, that he held. You got Benjamin who just had the silver cup in the thing. You, you thinking now, hey, he getting, ready, he getting ready to do us in. He getting ready. This is it. This is it. He going to take us out. He gonna, this is our comeuppance. But this is the fourth move right here. It is loyalty over recompense. Loyalty over recompense. And that's that 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 I, I I need you to get a hold of this. Instead of trying to to, to make them repay, instead of trying to bring vengeance on them. He, he, he now speaks to them in loving tones because for him, for him, and I wanted to be in your life as well, for him, revenge is not an option. Let me say it again. Revenge is not an option. <laughs> revenge is not an option. You gotta let it go. You gotta let it go. I, I'm not gonna get caught up in trying to do you in. I'm, I, revenge is not an option. This is not an option for me. I am not going after you. I'm not going after you. That's not who I am. Let, let me let me say this to you, saints. Some of you think that people that have done you wrong during your life, you gotta get them back. Oh, I'm gonna get her for that. Oh, I'm gonna get. Oh, I'm gonna get him for that. I promise you this right now. Just as soon as I get up on my feet, I'm gonna get him for that. You need to recognize 
that for us as believers, we don't function that way. You, there's some things that ought to be in the hands of God. And unless you're the instrument of God that God's using, you, you got to know that's not yours. God can take care of folk. Folk can mistreat you. God can take care of them. God can straighten it out. How do I know God can straighten it out? Because he said he would. Listen, I want you to write some scripture down. I'm going to read these from the old King James Version. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, from the King James Version. Here's what, here's what the Lord speaks. To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the thing that shall come upon them make haste. He says, to me, God speaking, to me, to me belongs this. Not you. I know how to straighten folk out. If, if somebody needs to be slapped, I know how to slap them. If somebody needs to be whooped, I need I know how to whoop them. Isaiah 35 and 4, the Lord speaks to the children of Israel as they're in Babylonian captivity. Here's what he says in, in verse 4, Isaiah 35 verse 4. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance even God with a recompense he will come and save you God's going to do it God's going to do it the apostle Paul picks up on it in case you think I'm just stuck in the old testament the apostle Paul picks up on it in Romans chapter 12 verse 19 again King James version Romans 12 verse 19 dearly beloved Avenge not yourselves. Preach Watts, I'm trying to. But rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. God said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Yes, let it go. Let it go. Let God handle it. Let go. Let God. Let go. Let God. Let go. Let God. Let God handle it. Let God handle it. The writer in Hebrews picks up on it. Hebrews 10 and 30 says, For we know, we know him that hath said, Vengeance belong unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. There's some things you ought not to be involved in. There's some things you ought not, you ought not try to beat up on everybody. You ought not get it. Look, let go and let God. Here he is. He has gone through years of being displaced from his community of faith, his family. He's gone through years of being the outsider. He's gone through years of people talking about him. He's gone through years of people thinking that he was dead. He's gone through years of, of 
prison, years of, of being in another man's home and, and being stressed out because he was looked and objectified by a man's wife. He's going through years of being of going and working in, a, in the Pharaoh's house. He's going through years of living and sleeping with a woman, not of his definitely not of his tribe. And now at this point in time, when he could get the people back that would get him. Getting them back is not on his mind. You know what's on his mind? A reunion. A reunion is on his mind. An, an objective way of viewing his life is on his mind. Because what he says to himself, if I hadn't gone through what I've been through, I'm preaching to somebody right now, let me say it again. If I hadn't gone through what I've been through, if I had not been through the fires I've been through, I wouldn't be the man I am today. I wouldn't be the woman I am today. I'm not mad that you tell that person, I'm not mad you divorced me. I'm not mad I had to divorce you. I'm not mad our relationship didn't work. Because if I hadn't gotten rid of you, I wouldn't be where I'm standing right now. I'm not mad it didn't work out because if it didn't work out it wasn't meant to work out and I'm glad because I wouldn't be standing where I'm standing right now I'm not mad I've got an objective way of looking at my situation and I realize that it's all in God's hand and God has got my life and since God's got my life something good is going to happen even in the midst of the mess I've been through Woo! I feel like teacher preaching. Here's what he is what he says. Here's what he says. Ah, shallow. I'm in verse five now. I'm in chapter five, verse five. Chapter forty-five, verse five. He says, and I'm in the amplified version again. He says, now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. He's trying to calm them down. He says, y'all calm down. Don't, 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 be, don't be angry. Don't be distressed. Don't be upset because you sold me here. He says, I got another way of looking at it. God sent me ahead of you to save life and preserve our family. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are still five more years in which there will be no plowing and harvesting. God sent me to Egypt ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep you alive by a great escape. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. Let me preach some of this to somebody. You, you didn't put me in this situation, God did. You think you messed me up? God was at work in the midst of it all. He says, and he made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. He said, he's made me the sage and wisdom of Pharaoh. He's made me the kind of person that Pharaoh looks up to on your behalf. He said, now here's what you need to do. Hurry up. Go, go get my daddy and tell him your son Joseph says this to you. God has made me lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall live in the land of Goshen, the best pasture land of Egypt. And you shall be close to me. 
you and your children and your grandchildren and your flocks and your herds and all you have there, I will provide for you and sustain you so that you and your household and all that are yours may not become impoverished for there's still five more years of famine to come. Listen, he, he's speaking a word. He's speaking a word. He's speaking a word to them. He's speaking a word to them. He says, I, I, God has placed me here. You didn't put me here. God put me here. And God put me here so that I could sow into your lives. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. My purpose is to keep you from being broke. I'm here to keep you from being impoverished. I'm here to keep you from being hungry. I'm here to keep you from being defeated. I'm here to keep you from being down. I'm here to keep you from being distressed. God put me here. Let me tell you right now, you need to understand something. Some of the heck in the hell you've been through has been in a situation where you thought that you would never come out of and you thought that you would want to give up and throw in the towel. Don't you dare because where you are right now is where God has allowed you to be and what God is going to do in the midst of it all when you look back over your life you realize that God is blessing in the middle of the mess I don't care what the mess was I don't care if it was divorce I don't care if it was a defeat I don't care if you were down I don't care if it was depressed God said I'm blessing you in the midst of everything you've been through and I'm going to raise you up so that I can work in your life first thing I need you to do is before you get angry with the folk that messed you up, you realize some things have been allowed to happen. Some things have been allowed to happen. Some things have been suffered to be so. Now, I'm at number five. Uh, Y'all can tell I, I feel something in here tonight. I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. Number five. This is an important one right here. It's loyalty over reservedness. Emotions are natural. Reservedness means, means you know, you, when you're reserved, you hold back your emotions. You, you don't want anybody to see you. Don't, 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 I don't want anybody to see me cry. I don't want, you know, real men don't cry. It, it, it like real men don't eat quiche, they said. No, ain't nothing wrong with quiche and ain't nothing wrong with crying. Every now and then, you need to let the liquid out so you can let the steam off from the cauldron that's boiling in your soul. You, you, you've got to let it go. Now, now, now watch, watch what happens. Watch what happens. You, you, you're going to get this. This is, this, is, this, is, this is powerful. Verse 12, I'm in chapter 45, verse 12. And the, again, the Amplified Version, he said, Look, your eyes see. In the eyes of my brother Benjamin, see that I'm speaking to you. And the, the, he, the, the Amplified enlarges that by saying personally in your language and not through an interpreter. Now you must tell my father all my splendor and the power in Egypt and of everything that you have seen. And you must hurry and bring my father down here. Then he embraced his brother Benjamin's neck and he wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. And then he, now, now he, he embraced his brother first. He embraced him first. And then he went over there to those same folk that sold him into slavery. And he kissed his brothers. 
And he, he not only kissed them, but he wept on them. And afterwards, his brothers talked with him. He, he, can you imagine hugging somebody that put you in slavery? Hugging somebody that apparently would have felt like it ruined your life? Hugging somebody that, 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 has, that, that has done you dirty and wrong? But it, can, I, can I help somebody here? When you have looked at your life from a divine perspective and you realize God's hand on your life, you don't fool around and hold grudges. Why am I going to be mad at an instrument God used? You know, you know that, that, that man might have talked rough to you and mean to you and, and was off-putting to you because you were supposed to get out of that relationship. It was time for you to go, but you didn't take, you wouldn't take the hint. And so he, he ended up getting too aggressive and you finally realized you couldn't stay there anymore. Yes, we'll preach once. You, no, I ain't mad at you. I could be at the divorce court and hug you and say, God, God bless you. Have a, have a wonderful life. I'm on my way somewhere else. You, you got, you've got to do that. You've got to let it go. Every now and then, you need to hug your enemies and make them your friends. You need, you need to love on folk. You need to be there to let people know it's all right. He hugged his brother. I can only imagine. Now, you know, here he is. He's sitting up on the throne of Egypt. He's dressed like an Egyptian. His hair is probably cut like an Egyptian. His face looks like an Egyptian. It's painted like an Egyptian. His clothing is Egyptian. Everything around him is Egyptian. And here he is grabbing these Hebrews and hugging them and crying and weeping and letting it all out. Here he is allowing himself to be a complete yes. That's his joy. Waterhead. He's just letting his tears flow. Take it from Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Jeremiah used these words, oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I could weep both day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Every now and then, you ought to cry. But in this case, they were not tears of sorrow. They were tears of joy for the restoration of family, the reunion of family. Yeah? Let me, let me say this again. I, I, I see you. I, I'm reading. I'm listening to you online. Let me, let me say this again. It's hard to get rid of resentment. It's hard to get rid of regret. It's hard to get rid of the spirit of revenge. It's hard not to think and wish evil and bad on people that have mistreated you. It's hard to do it, but by God's grace and God's strength, you can do it. You need to let it go, not just for them, but for you, so that you don't carry that muck and dirt and crap around in your spirit, so that you're not mired down in the clay of darkness. Release it so you can be released. Release it so you can be set free. Let go of that anchor that's holding you in one place where you're still mad about something that happened 30 years ago. Release it. You're not made better by carrying bitterness. 
You're not made better when you're bitter. Only thing you are is bitter. And some of us live in the bitterness and everybody around us sees it. And they behind your back call you bitter. They see the spirit of Mara on you. Bitterness. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Okay. My time is almost up, so I want to give you these last two, and I, I'm going to get out of the way. Number six, number six, number six. Number six is loyalty over racialism. Loyalty over racialism. Now, you, you heard me talk about how he wailed so loud, the men in the city, his, the Pharaoh's men heard him. Pharaoh's whole household heard. Everybody knew he was wailing and crying. And, and of course, they went and told Pharaoh what was going on. Now, Joseph had done all he could do by loading them up and giving them all he could give them. But Pharaoh, who normally would not have any relationship with these Hebrews, Pharaoh now moves in a different way because Pharaoh was loyal to Joseph for all of the good he had done. Now remember, Egyptians wouldn't eat with Hebrews, but Pharaoh was loyal to him. The racial, the racial divide was there, but we moved beyond it. Listen, 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 listen. Here, here it is. Pharaoh was loyal to Joseph for all the good he had done. Listen, verse 16. When the news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph had come, it pleased Pharaoh that Joseph's brothers had come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, do this, load your animals and return to the land of Canaan without delay and get your father and your households and come to me and I will give you the best land of Egypt and you will eat the fat and finest produce of the land. Now you brothers of Joseph are ordered by Pharaoh, do this. Now here's what he adds, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Do not be concerned with your goods for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Here it is. Pharaoh demonstrates a loyalty to Joseph over racialism, therefore extended that loyalty and blessing to his family. Let me preach this a minute because you need to get this. There are people that are connected to you that are supposed to be blessed, but they're only going to get blessed as people know their connection to you. If you keep hiding their connection to you, you also cut them off from the blessing that should come from connection. As long as Pharaoh did not know who those men were, 
Joseph could do whatever Joseph wanted to do as being over the grain and over the household of Pharaoh. But when Pharaoh understood the connection of those brothers to their brother, Pharaoh said, I'll add to it and what he said will be done and this do as well. And I affirmed every command out of the mouth of the servant of, of my servant Joseph. Let it be done. Sometimes, two points you got to get. Sometimes you got to understand. God will take somebody that would not, should not, by their standards, ought not be a blessing to you and make them bless you because of who you're connected to. I don't care what they look like. Don't don't y'all don't be trying to say, well, I'm not gonna talk to him. He ain't nothing but an old racist. I ain't gonna talk to him. He ain't nothing but an old redneck. I ain't gonna talk to him. He ain't nothing but old evil so-and-so. I ain't gonna talk to him because they just prejudiced. No, 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 no. Don't you worry about what their reputation may be. If God wants somebody to bless you, they could be the meanest, low down, dirty, rotten scoundrel in the world. If God God wants him to bless you, he'll make them bless you. He'll make them bless you. And the movement here is loyalty over racialism. Finally, and I close with this one, and I cannot get to it all and close on time. So let me just close and give you the seventh one. This is number seven. It is loyalty over reservation. Loyalty over reservation. When you, when you read down, and, and when you read it later on, I'm not going to go to it now, but verses 21 down through verse 28, when you read down, when they tell Joseph's father what's going on, and they speak to him, he, he's stunned. It, 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 the Bible says, the Bible says, verse 26, and they said to him, Joseph is still alive, and indeed, he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. But Jacob was stunned and his heart almost stopped beating because he did not believe them. He, he almost had a heart attack. He, he was just so stunned. And when they told him everything he said, at first, he didn't even want to go. He, he didn't even want to go. But then all of a sudden, there's a release in him. And he says, I want to see my son before I die. I'm going to go. I, 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 I would stay. I would not go, but, but I believe y'all. My loyalty and my love for my son is of such that I want to see him one more time before I leave here. I want to see him. Let me, take me down to my boy so I can see my son one more time. I thought he was dead, but, but, but he's alive. Take me down there. Take me to him. And I want to tell you this. You know, sometimes you, you may have a hesitancy in your spirit about blessing or being a blessing or receiving a blessing. But you got to know when something resonates in you that you know is right, don't override it. Ride with it. Sometimes God speaks to some of y'all. Listen to me, I'm closing here. God told you a long time ago to get rid of that, that attitude. God told you a long time ago to forgive that person. 
God told you a long time ago to release that. God's been telling you in your dreams and in your spirit that it's time for this foolishness to stop. God's told you a long time ago it's time to come into a new place. And every time God tells you that, something else will happen just enough to put you back 20 years, put you back 30 years, put you back to when it first happened, to put you back to your pain, to make you pick up on your hurt. And what you do is you go back to the point of your hurt and then you get stuck there. But what, what, what this lesson teaches us here is that you don't get stuck at your hurt. You start moving toward that which you know your heart desires and your heart desires the blessing and the real blessing was being in connection again with his boy with the son of Rachel his son brothers and sisters this has been another wild ride this is the word of God for the people of God and I hope you can say with me thanks be to God Wow, God bless you. I thank you so much for joining me tonight. I'm just, just pleased as punch and happy you were a part of this lesson tonight. I pray you got something out of what we've said in this place tonight. And I pray God speaks to your heart even the more every day. Listen, while you're, lit, while you're here now, please join me in just giving God praise for all that God has done and receive this word into you. If you join us tonight and you want to be a part of this fellowship, come on, join with us. Call me, email me, text me, write me. Become a part of this faith community. And yes, you can say, I am a Shiloh member. I don't care where you are, from east to west coast or around the world, you can join us as a part of this family. I love you all with the love of the Lord. I want to remind you tonight to give in the offering. Please, brothers and sisters, give the benevolent gifts. Make sure you give. Amen. Bless what God has given to you. You can give by Givelify, by mail, or by Cash App. Again, this is a benevolent gift, and we do give these gifts out. We bless everybody and anybody we can. And again, I thank our terrific diaconate for all that they do. Want to tell you, I'll be online on the phone call tomorrow. We're going to be praying at 1 o'clock. Join me for prayer tomorrow, and along with the, all the other saints, as we intercede tomorrow in prayer. Please join us for prayer. Want to also tell you, this coming Sunday, this coming Sunday is going to be a pink out day. It's pink out Sunday. Amen. I said pink out. I want you to put on anything pink you can find, amen, and I want you to go ahead and get ready. It's, uh, we're going, giving up is not an option, and this is October Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and so join us for a pink out Sunday, this coming Sunday. We're going to have a great time together in worship. Giving up is not an option as we celebrate breast cancer awareness in this place this coming Sunday. Well, my brothers and sisters, by now, all of you know that uh, Deaconess uh, Magdalene Daniels went home with the Lord. I hope you are joining me in praying and saluting and being there, words of encouragement for Deacon Daniels and for that family. Deacon Daniels is a wonderful man of God. and Please, each one of you, keep him in your prayers. He has been uh, a wonderful, devoted husband. And uh, send your condolences and your love 
yourself and your prayers to Deacon Daniels. Please make sure that, that he knows that the Shiloh family appreciates him, appreciates his wife, Deacon S. Daniels, who served us as chair of our, our Sunday school, who served as one of the very first instructors in our preschool, who served as a wonderful deaconess in this church and ministered to many of you. So I ask that you just remember them with your condolences and with your prayers and keep them before the Lord. The Daniels family, we're going to celebrate uh, Deacon S. Daniels' life on this coming Friday. 10 a.m. is the calling hours and 11 a.m. is the worship experience. So 10 a.m. calling hours, 11 a.m. worship experience. Join us here on, on this coming Friday as we celebrate the life of our dear Deaconess Magdalene Daniels. This is going to be a great time to say farewell to a soldier um, and now been dismissed from the earthly battle and moved on up to receive her reward. I God bless you. I love each one of you. Please keep praying for each other. Recognize that God is with us in the midst of our battle and we keep holding one another up before God in prayer. The Lord's going to take over and bless us in ways that we know not of. This has been another one from Shiloh. My heart to your heart. Please keep my wife in your prayers, my children in your prayers. We were really close to the Daniels family and we love them and it's been a very emotional time for us. So keep all of us in your prayers, amen, and we love you. God bless you, saints. Go in peace and the peace of God go with each one of you and I know you know what it is. One more time, one word benediction and you know it. Shalom.